ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass, and it is a Wednesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. It is a C.J. Stroud is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL edition of the Killer Bees. It is a biggest game of the regular season for the Astros edition of the Killer Bees. Joe, I heard you on, uh, you were a who, you were a who, you were a who today. Uh, sounded very good, but you left a bit of a watering here in my spot. And I, I, it's very uncomfortable. I'm wearing long sleeves today because it's cold in the studio sometimes. And I'm, it's getting on my sleeve. This is very uncomfortable. Well, welcome to my world with Lance Zerline. Yes, there you go, Joe George. Come come clean up for the talent here. There's the water ring right there. It's next to the on and off microphone. You sounded great, but you left the water he ring. Pulled a, he pulled a Brendan, too, by the way. What did he do? He, he'll miss his own show <laughs> for the opportunity to work in a fill-in position on another show. Yeah, he's not. He's not missing the show. He's missing his bullpen. I think that's by design. The 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 Dynamo play Inter Milan or Inter Miami tonight. I thought he was talking all about the fact that he was going to. I think that was Friday. He was debating no, it, was it today. No, I'm off today, but that's because of the Dynamo. Yeah, it's because of the Dynamo. Because oh. we have we have set up. We have. US but that is a Brendan Riley move. Brendan, no, that's not. Let's be fair to Joe here for a second. I know we like to to bang on Joe, and we always will continue to do that. Appreciate you cleaning up that water ring. Brendan would do the show before us and then not produce our show. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. So at least Joe is producing our show. So like you, he he didn't he went like halfway. Brendan he had one Brendan foot in. He wasn't two Brendan feet in all the way because at least. Well, he's but doing that's what our I was show. referring to. That Brendan would actually take off the show he was hired to do so that he could get on air. But Joe's yeah. on air all the time. So you know, I thought Joe was blowing off his own show so yeah. that he could get more airtime on another show. Joe, can we say that you dip? Is that okay to say on the air? Are we outing you for saying that you're a dip? Uh, I don't know. My dad probably doesn't know. But he okay. Does well, you may Your or may not dip. Doesn't know. You do by the now. Uh, you do the artisan artisan Grange. Yes. Yeah. Wayne, uh, who, who's well, behind we, that. We rally really, dip really last stuff. week during the Orioles win. Dana said that this is. It was a. He said it's a dip cup ring. If oh, your dip not- cup has condensation, we have major issues. No, it was ice coffee. Major issues. But I have known something about you. I learned something about you today, Joe George. You do not respect wood. Name the show, 713-780-3776. If you name the show, I'll give you a high five. We don't have anything to give away, do we? we well, actually, t-shirts. we do. Yeah, we, we have we new, t-shirts? new t-shirts? Yes. Okay, so if you're the first person to text in and name the show, Joe George does not respect wood, we'll send you a t-shirt. We'll figure out a way to do it. By the way, Welcome to My World was because in all the years of sitting in this chair, which Lance sits in first in the morning, <laughs> the remnants that he's left over the, the years, which includes... Bloody napkins tucked under the lip of the desk, which he owned and admitted to. True story. Crusty coffee (laughs) cups, water, headphones that have all kinds of crumbs and bungle stuff all over him. The headphones that he uses now, which he never puts on his head, that just sit with volume on 56. They're speakers, basically. He just, (laughs) it's his world. We're living in it, and he makes sure we're cleaning up after him, too. Facts. I mean, I was just having fun with the water ring. I didn't really care. I was having fun with Joe. But the bloody napkin might be the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. We we can't let HRMP know about that because Lance might only be working at the NFL Network. Uh, All right. We were able to not talk about the Astros for four minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yesterday... 
Look, you're up against a really good pitcher. George Kirby, it was going to be a tough one. You kind of fell at the start of the series. It was all going to come down to tonight, rubber game of the series. So, like, the result in itself, that it's tied at one in this best of three, that you're now going into the rubber game tonight in Seattle with Fromber on the mound, I always expected it to get here. So I'm not, like, terribly upset with the result. Now... If you look at the game, there's a lot of frustrating things that happen in the game. Like, we talk a lot all the time, like context, the process. That it's 1-1 going into game three, kind of expected, not a huge deal. But the context and the process of yesterday's game is what absolutely frustrates you. The situation is something that you welcome. And the situation is something that you look at and say, if you had told me that this is what I was signing up for, I'd be all for it with Fromber on the mound. However, it's how you got there. It's the we talk about the intangibles all the time, but the the details and the context of how you got to this point is what makes this so disappointing. Yet again, for this team in this season of just all kinds of disappointment, when you look at what's happened as opposed to what we expected, and the fact that we sat there and had to watch that debacle last night in the first inning, I'm thinking, blow it open, blow it open, just do what you did the night before, get even before you got two outs. All you need is a fly ball. You're the first. We, we know the percentages, and Ocho brought them to us about how well they play when they're the first. They get on the board first, but get on the board first, especially if you can put a crooked number up there. Send another message to a team that's lost four in a row, and you might really be ready to roll yet again. And then it slips right through your fingers. You get nothing out of it, and then you watch it just disintegrate the rest of the night. How often that that was frustrating too because it's like this is a good pitcher and usually to get to good pitchers you want to get them early mm-hmm. before they settle in and then George Kirby settled in they they let them off the hook there in that first inning we knew who they were and they let them off the hook like Singletary once said actually it wasn't Singletary it was Denny Green yep. uh, Denny Green once said that about the Chicago Bears. You had the bases loaded one out, and Jose Abreu hits a measly ground out to third base. They get Altuve at the plate. Somebody in the Twitch said that uh, Altuve didn't have a great secondary lead. I didn't notice that. I didn't go back to look at it. Now either. that you tipped me off, I, I might have to go back and check that out. Uh, I-, I wasn't paying attention, so I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just I didn't notice that. I- I'll try to go back and look at that through some point throughout the show. How often do you see an intentional walk in the first inning of a baseball game? My goodness. Almost not, never. never. Because you'll take your chances with eight more innings after this you'll live with the result and tuck gets the intentional and you're like oh my god his pitch count is way up he's setting himself up for a crooked number in a big inning this guy has had your number and owned you recently this is a chance to send another message step on them early and really kind of send them reeling and after the first half inning i'm looking at it going what the hell was that yeah that it you never ever see intentional walks in the first inning. Like it's very very rare. It's like almost Barry Bonds level treatment. How often do you like? Let me let me couple something with that. Let me add to that. How often do you see an intentional walk in the first inning to get to a fifth hitter in the lineup? Almost never again. Like I'm not going to sit there and go through every single game log in baseball history, but I bet you we have not seen very many first inning intentional walks to get the five the, the fifth man in the batting order to the plate. And look, it brings up the Jose Abreu conversation, the batting fifth conversation. I don't love to do the whole batting order conversation. I'm more of a who's in the lineup, playing time conversation. Jose Abreu getting no respect from Scott Service in Seattle. No, none at all. And you look at it, and again, you don't want to pile on too much on Dusty because, look, I'm the one that always points out the fact that I hate when he sits guys that are your best hitters that should be in the lineup this late in the season when you're in the middle of a, of a massive pennant race. Uh, but when you see what happened last night, it, it just absolutely blows up and points extra attention to the fact that 
We've already been saying for weeks, why is Abreu still batting in the cleanup hit spot sometimes? In the fifth spot sometimes. Going, okay, look, he's he's hot and cold. He's found it from time to time. But he should be no higher than sixth. That's where he started the season for the most part. That's where he should be. And yet here you are losing an opportunity in the first inning of a huge series in a big game where you can really kind of put the Mariners reeling. And instead, they're feeling great about themselves coming off the field going, we just got out of that? The top of the first was not a great start. Bases loaded one out, intentionally walking Kyle Tucker to get to Jose Abreu. And look... Like I don't do, I don't like to do the batting order conversation. I'll do, I'll do who's playing. I'll do who's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I'll do playing time conversation. I'm not a huge fan of the batting order conversation. But how can you ignore it yesterday? Can't. You can't ignore it yesterday that they have zero respect for your five hole hitter that they're willing to load the bases with one out in the stinking first inning to face Jose Abreu. You can't ignore that. No, you just can't. And because of the, the all the different details that are hanging on a on a string by what's going down with this team and how they continue to go down uh, and lose games that you don't think that they should lose. Now you're in this predicament, and you're sitting there looking at it, going, and we're still doing these things. We're still doing the things that have contributed. I'm not going to say they're totally to blame, but look, whether Patrick Creighton finishes his, his expose uh, on every game in the season. and I'm how many times to that, actually. Yeah, but we'll get it by Christmas. But whenever we get it, I mean, when you look at the fact that we normally say, and a lot of people say, well, a manager can affect maybe a handful of games or less in a season. When you look at these things still happening, and you look at the fact that, okay, well, granted, we know Dusty's going to play veterans and he wants to bring you in the lineup. But where he puts him in the lineup also matters just as much as which lineup he puts out there. And the fact that you can sit there in this game and go, well, there's a, a specific situation where if you had a different hitter up in that situation, you might have had a better result because the guy that's in that situation that you put number five in the lineup has not been hitting the ball very well. Who would you put there? Who, who would you have in the, in the five hole? I, I would probably put Chaz. I would think about Chaz being someone that would be in that five hole, if, if not, you know, if, if not Yiner. There's, I think there's four options. One of them's Abreu because that's what he did. Um, the other one's probably Chaz, then Yiner. I didn't hate, and this this is not like analytical. It's not like it's kind of spits in the face of sabermetrics. It's not something that a lot of the computer nerds love. I kind of liked uh, Jeremy Pena batting second. Like I, I know that it moves Kyle Tucker down to the fifth spot, but I think the fifth spot's very, very important. You saw that yesterday. I didn't hate the whole Altuve, Pena, Jordan, Bregman, Tucker alignment that they'd been rolling out there for a couple of weeks when, when you were winning some ball games. You win some ball games. Now, the, the, the key there is is that Pena has, I don't want to say resurrected his hitting, but he's changed his approach to where he's kind of stopped trying to hit home runs so much and take the big swing. I think it's fair to it's, say that. And it's been very beneficial for him. He's become more of a singles hitter, try to hit a gap, but make sure that he isn't flailing with massive swings on breaking pitches that he struggles with. And I think it's been to his benefit and definitely the team's benefit. That's why I wasn't as upset when he was hitting that high in the lineup because of the fact that he's not trying to swing and miss flailing from his heels and he's getting on base more. It, it deepens your lineup too. Like that, like you now have a legitimate stud batting fifth instead of like, okay, well, who are you batting fifth between Abreu, Chaz, and Yiner? Abreu, who's been really, really bad. This is going to be the worst year on the back of his baseball card ever. Uh, Chaz McCormick, who's having a good year, but still, like, the fan base doesn't fully mm, trust him, I'm like, in the five spot. And then Yiner Diaz. We love Yiner Diaz and would probably be a top three rookie of the year kind of guy had he had a full season, but he's also prone to, like, swing and miss, Free strikeouts. Uh, not great with runners in scoring position. I don't, I don't hate what Dusty was rolling out there uh, with Jeremy Pena batting in the two-hole. And you look at like what Jeremy Pena's done recently, because a lot of people hear that and they're like, well, you can't have a guy like Jeremy Pena who has a low on-base percentage batting second. 
His last 60 games, he has an on-base percentage of 370. That's what I was going to say. Don't look at the whole season because we know sometimes you dig yourself a hole you can't get out of for the rest of the year in terms of your average or some of the, the, the key uh, metrics. But when you look at what Pena's done over the last month, month and a half, and, and, and since he's had that different approach, the home runs are, are a thing of the past. But you know what? Getting on base at a more frequent rate, getting more base hits and multi-hit games and, and setting the table for others has been more prevalent. And that's what you need right now. Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. that five-hole. What would you have in the five-hole? There's a lot to get into from this game yesterday, like all these dumb throws. What did you think of Christian Javier? What did you think of the decision in the seventh inning with the bases loaded and nobody out with Michael Brantley available Going with Jonathan Singleton in that seventh inning. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. All coming down to the wire in the AL wildcard race. Why the face Wednesday? National media thinks that C.J. Stroud's a top-ten quarterback. And Glenn Davis at 445 to talk about the Houston Dynamo going after some hardware tonight. What did you think of Javi's performance? What did you think of that pinch-hit opportunity for John Singleton in the seventh inning last night? We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham on the Twitter. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Rocktoberfest and Beer Fest are right around the corner at Kima Boardwalk. Rock on! October 6th through 8th at the Kima Boardwalk with free concerts all weekend at Rocktoberfest. Get started Friday on the October 6th. Get ready for everything that's right about rock and roll. This is a band that's loud with huge, really big hair. The Velcro Pygmies take the stage to rock out with hits from Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, and Poison, and more. And Rocktoberfest continues Saturday on the 7th. The day gets started with dance and variety band Yelba. Journey tribute band Escape wraps up the night. And then it all comes to a head Sunday, October 8th. The Houston's hottest cover band, The Slags, performing today's hottest hits, the classics, and everything in between. Head over to KemaBoardwalk.com to see the full lineup. Also make plans for Beer Fest, Saturday, October 7th from 2 to 5 p.m. The craft beer fest you've been waiting for. 24 breweries, two dozen breweries, and 72 craft beer samples. You can get tickets in advance at KemaBeerFest.com. You get a $5 discount for that. Head over to KemaBeerFest.com to see the full list of breweries uh, that will be participating. But St. Arnold will be out there, Eureka Heights, truly, just to name a few. If you look for something more family-friendly, bring the family to Boo on the Boardwalk. Have a spooktacular time this whole month of October at the Haunted House. Live music, spooky movies, arts and crafts, trick-or-treating, and more. See the full schedule of events and concert lineup at KemaBoardwalk.com. That's KemaBoardwalk.com. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and murderous Jays. Astros lost a baseball game yesterday. Uh, it's all but a must win, but not quite a must win tonight, but pretty much a must win. It's almost a must win in Seattle. A lot of the scenarios just don't look great if you don't win. Scenarios if you do win look pretty good. So it's almost a must win without literally being a must win. It's enough must win conversation. Astros must win tonight. 713 780 3776. What did you make of Michael Brantley not getting a pinch hit opportunity in the seventh inning? Bases loaded, nobody out, Martin Maldonado spot in the order. Yesterday, actually on Monday, Dusty said that Michael Brantley was available. 
Tuesday, yesterday before the game, he said Michael Brantley is going to start the series finale later tonight. Instead, he goes with John Singleton with the bases loaded, nobody out, down by five runs in the seventh inning. What'd you make of that decision? By Hated it, but it told us what we already knew. What if you listen to this show, you already knew that the minute that he missed two games in a row and it wasn't against a lefty that w- before they even I think before they even got onto this road trip, we said he's done. He's done. That's it. It's over. There's just too many things that are pointing to what Dusty inevitably had to respond to, which was, well, he's got some soreness. Well, once we heard that following up when he should have played and didn't play, and we saw Kessinger on deck instead of him in the Orioles series in a really key moment, it, everything solidified the fact that he's done for the year. Just shut him down. But then if that's the case, why do we go on America's Biggest Secrets and, and continue to kind of carry him along and act like at a certain point he's going to be a key member of this team again or he's going to play again and get someone else up there as a bat that you might be able to use because I I firmly believe he's done for the year. I firmly believe that he's not going to be able to help you anymore, especially you know with with four games left and in the situations that where you could have used him, he hasn't been able to contribute. I don't get it. I don't know. I didn't like it. I've seen enough of John Singleton for the rest of the year. No offense to him, but I'm not looking for him to be a guy that can contribute with a team that's this desperate and hungry for situational hitting. It it, it bothered me, but at that point, I felt like, you know, I still, I just felt like they weren't going to catch them, and I know they were one base runner away, but it it just, it it annoyed me. You don't think that Brantley's going to play? I don't think Brantley's going to play the rest of the season. Now, Dusty said yesterday before the game that he's starting tonight. We'll he, see. In left field. Yeah, I mean, that's... We'll see. He said it before and hadn't played. He's so, also said that he's been fine or he's got discomfort. And he but said he was available him. Monday. Yeah, and he was available and we haven't seen him. So, again, I'll believe it when I see it, and then I'll, I'll be wrong if I because I don't believe we're going to see him the rest of the year. Dusty uh, was asked about it after the game, and, and Dusty's answer to using Jonathan Singleton in that spot and not Michael Brantley. Uh, he, Dusty Baker said Michael Brantley was available. Now, was that a bluff? Perhaps. Uh, Baker said that Brantley was available, but opted for Singleton because, quote, we were down a bunch of runs, and he thought Singleton gave them the best shot of an extra base hit or home run. He said he just missed that ball. That's why we got him in that situation. Here's the thing. You're down by five runs. Like, does John Singleton have a chance to hit a five-run homer? Like, yeah, what? I, mean, I don't, like, who cares if he hits a home run in that spot? Like, yeah, you're a run closer, or you're down, you're within one run. But to me, that entire situation is about getting the tying run to the plate mm-hmm. in the seventh. It's getting another base runner on base. And I went out was going at it with some people on Twitter today because they're like, well, John Singleton had a productive plate appearance. Whenever you're down by five runs in the seventh inning and you have nine outs left to play with, I don't care how many runs you drove in on that sacrifice fly, making outs is not a good thing. You have nine outs left, you're down by five runs, you cannot make an out. I don't care if it leads to a run on a sacrifice fly. And yes, I totally understand that Singleton had a better plate appearance in that inning than Jose Altuve. He had a better plate appearance in that inning than Alex Bregman. But if Dusty Baker is telling us all that Michael Brantley's available, which is a giant mystery. Who knows if he really is? If Dusty Baker's telling us before the game that Michael Brantley's going to start in the most important game of the regular season, how is Michael Brantley not coming to that spot, into that lineup, in that spot, to try to get on base, to try to bring the tying run to the plate? This is another questionable decision from Dusty Baker. Is it the reason they lost yesterday? No, not by a mile. If the Astros missed the playoffs this season, is it all on Dusty Baker? No, it's not. A large part of it. But yesterday's game was not on Dusty. 
dynasty. But these are the decisions that drives the fan base crazy. You're telling us all week that Michael Brantley's available. You told us that before game one. Before game two, you say he's playing later. After game two, you said that he was available, but you opted for John Singleton. In what world, when you're down by five runs in the seventh inning, are you going to John Singleton instead of Michael Brantley? Yeah, because Brantley's not a guy that's not he's not going to hit you the big fly. But if Brantley's healthy, and that's a huge if, but what Brantley does is he hits gaps. He hits base hits. He's got a great eye. He's a 300 hitter. He continues to keep the merry-go-round moving. He continues to set the table. So then maybe if you want to use Singleton as the big bopper after that, when you have a legit chance to tie the game and you're looking for the one big swing with outs kind of disintegrating it and running out of outs to make sure you get back on the board, then maybe that makes more sense. But in that situation, for so many reasons, it didn't make sense to go to Singleton. But in more cases than that, it tells you even more, at least in my opinion, about what you don't have in Michael Brantley. You don't have the option to go to him. You're not going to be able to go to him. And Dusty can continue to keep telling us it's raining outside when the sun shines bright or vice versa. And we're supposed to believe it. But I'll believe it when I see it that he starts tonight. Now, if he starts tonight and he's in the lineup, how do you feel about pinch hitting for Singleton? Now it's all with on Dusty. Singleton and not Brantley. Now it's completely on Dusty. Like I, and, and maybe this is my fault for taking Dusty at his word, but the moment that he tells me he's available Monday, the moment that he tells me that he's starting on Wednesday, he tells you post-game that he was available, but it was your choice to go Singleton. I'm taking him for his word. And maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm wrong. But he's telling you in that moment post game that he had the option between John Singleton, Michael Brantley, down by five runs with nobody out, bases loaded in the seventh inning. You have nine outs left to play with. And I love John Singleton's story. But there is in no universe, if Michael Brantley was truly available, like the manager is telling all of us that he's truly available, should he be on the bench while John Singleton's getting a critical at bat? Yes, he had a sacrifice fly. Great job. You score a run when you're down by five. Now it's a four-run game, and you're in the exact same situation where a runner has to reach base for the tying run to come to the plate. A sacrifice fly is not what you need there. You need a runner on base, and Michael Brantley gives you a much better chance of getting on base than John Singleton. And if he doesn't, then Michael Brantley shouldn't be starting. Tonight. That's the thing. And, and if he can't and he doesn't start tonight, then why the hell has he still been on the roster this long to this point? Because of the fact that you at least needed someone else that might be able to put bat on baseball without discomfort or soreness when you're when you're in this key of a moment in the season. But also when you look at it to the dusty point, when we talked about the fact that when uh, deer in the headlights looked like he had absolutely new, no clue with one out and, a run, and being the runner on third base when Jake and, and Dusty came to his defense or said the play wasn't on the you know the read play. If that's what you're telling us, then you're actually asking us to point the finger at you. Not all the other shortcomings of all the guys that aren't hitting that we know and all the pitching woes of the guys that can't do what they used to do or have been doing. All those things, you're bringing the attention directly on your behind. Yeah, I didn't like that. Did it cost them the game? You can't say it cost them. They were down five runs in the seventh inning. The the game yesterday was not on Dusty. It was more defense, more lack of offense for the entire time. We'll get to the pitching here and the defense here in a a moment. The decision to go Montero in the fifth, we'll we'll bring that up as well. Um, Real quick, though, Chaz McCormick got plunked in the ninth inning. Mm -hmm. Second pitch of the inning, intentional? You you questioned me when I said the the Altuve one I thought was intentional. Uh Uh, I I think this is more or less, and this is the BS that kind of goes to what you were talking about yesterday. I have so little respect for Seattle, for their fan base, for their and you know their manager. And, and like I said, I've played, with, played against him ever since I've been very very young. But Scott Service, to me, is just a complete D, D-bag. Like, the fact that I believe that two nights in a row, and this time where you're riding high on your horse, that it was almost like you want to get one more 
chance to rev everybody up or send a message that you're going to go in and get Chaz to where he has to leave the game and he gets plunked right in the middle of the small of the back. I, I can't say no. I can't say that it wasn't intentional. And if I said it yesterday, two days ago, I'll say it for yesterday too. And, and I'll tell you that that dude and that team has little class, zero respect for me. And, and I think that I could say a lot more, but that ticked me off too. Yeah, the, the Altuve one was different because it's like deep into account. Like it's it a 3-2 three, three, two. count. Yeah. You're giving Altuve opportunities to hit some pitches, to get on base. Like if the intent's to hit Altuve, I don't think you're ever giving him a pitch to swing at. Yesterday's different. Yesterday was the second pitch of the inning. The first pitch was a slider nowhere near the zone. Second pitch dotted him. Like I think it was 100% intentional. And quite frankly, I thought this was more like kind of a strategy chess move, like get it in Chaz's mind that, hey, we're going to go high and tight to you because he's a, he's a hitter that likes to dive it over the plate. He stays way back off the plate, and he dives over the plate and tries to crush balls to right field. I had totally forgotten about the fact that he slapped at Ty France's glove earlier this year. So the fact that that happened earlier in this year, we know that in baseball, these dudes don't forget. Like, they carry grudges for years, and you have dudes that are throwing at other dudes for something that that other dude did three years ago. I have zero doubt in my mind that was intentional, and I have zero doubt in my mind it was because Chaz McCormick slapped at Ty France's glove way back in whatever month that was. Yeah, I, I didn't think about it until Flimsy Cherry put it put it in the Twitch as you were saying it, too, and, and you're, you guys are probably right. And, and look, there are long memories in baseball. You're right about that, too. But if I'm the Astros... A night after having one of my key players hit and now having Chaz hit and knowing that this is the kind of move Scott Service would do anyway, if I'm up tonight later in the game, I, I, I believe me, I'm telling one of my 95-plus guys to yeah. go dot somebody up. It's got to be like a plus four, minus four game, though. Like you, you can't, right, it's, right, it's right, right, right. Massive right, right. game You don't want to set the table. Stakes. If you got two outs, too, that would be better. But I, I need a lead. Like, I can't. Like, this is almost tonight game so important that unless I'm up by four or like down by three, I'm not even messing around with that stuff. This is something I'm carrying True. over to next year. But J-Rod's in my crosshairs. Their best players are in my crosshairs. I don't want anything of Kel- Kel- Kelnick. Yeah. I'm looking for guys that are going to send the same kind of message back that we won't be pushed around and bullied. And if you want some, come get some. I don't. Honestly, I don't mind Seattle doing it. Like, it, like it was a kind of a bush league play from Chaz McCormick, so it's fine to get the retaliation. But retaliation also needs to come. I also didn't love the fire from the dugout. Like that, that to me was a little bit telling. Like Chaz McCormick just gets dotted with a ninety-nine mile per hour fastball. Facts. We think it was intentional. They know that Chaz McCormick slapped at Ty France's glove, and everybody's just kind of ho hum about it. Like in a critical series on the road, like that didn't sit well with me. No, and that you're right. That leads to a lot of people who are making more and more accusations and innuendo of the fact that there's there's a divided clubhouse or the clubhouse isn't as together and unified as it's been in the past and they have issues whether it be with the manager management you know players and players who knows but I noticed the same thing I'm like dude if that's my squad and my guy gets plunked and we got dotted two nights in a row and we haven't retaliated I'm up on the top step. I'm riding. I'm getting over the railing. I'm at least stepping out on the field with my hands in the air going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like it, yeah didn't sit well with me. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Let's talk about these lousy throws from the Astros, a lousy throw from a lousy Seattle fan at a 
Really good Seattle pitcher. And then, uh, what'd you think of Christian Javier last night? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Mike Holly, U of H class of uh, 1990. Go Cougs. He's been protecting the interest of businesses for nearly 25 years. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need there's nothing cookie cutter about hrnp if you need a little help you need a lot of help or anything in between hrnp will create a plan for what you and your business needs also their customer service is second to none there isn't a stranger on the other side of the line you'll be calling someone that is familiar with you familiar with your company i can speak to that customer service anytime that i have a question i'm an email kind of guy but i always get a quick response it's very easy to understand i've been telling you these last couple of days we had uh, open enrollment here uh, last couple of weeks at uh, at gal I-, I did it the other day piece of cake why because hrmp makes it a piece of cake so employers take advantage take a not advantage take care of your employees let hrmp take on the demands of human resources eliminate your hr burden so you can get back to growing your business give them a call at 281-880-6525 let hrmp customize a plan for you 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net that's hrp.net Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. King of Twitch says if you plunk early, the M's get mad, both sides get a warning, and you move on. Frommer, I ain't doing it. Two things. One, Frommer Valdez has kind of unraveled the two times he's allegedly hit somebody on purpose this year. Uh, secondly, you can't give free base runners early in a game that might determine your entire season you know kinger and i had a a friendly disagreement during that last segment about it because i said look you could possibly set yourself up for a big inning or be the fire starter with that hit by pitch that gets them a run or two early and we already know the numbers are drastically against you if you don't score first that's why i say you handle your business later in the game You, you you take care of the game itself you play you play your game, you get up late in the game, two outs, nobody on, or whenever the guy that you've singled out is the guy that really should be the one that sends the message for you by getting plunked, comes to the plate and you say, you know what? We handled the business on the field. We'll handle our business before we leave town. And now maybe we'll see you later, but if not, see you. Yeah, I just can't see it in a close game. Like For me, I'm not doing it in a close game whenever this game is as close to a must-win as there's ever been for a must-win. I'm not giving them a spark either. No. like I just don't want the base runner. Right. Like, I don't want the hit, base hit runner. Hit by pitch, two-run homer, that's detrimental. But those emotions work both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take a tight team that's a, that's a little on edge, that's a little jittery, and suddenly with something like that, it becomes, oh, hell no, let's go. I'm dialed in now. Now you're ticked off and you're focused, yeah. and it changes the, the entire uh, complexion of the game. I mean, 90% of baseball. Is half minnow. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Robbie, you're in the high. What's up, Robbie? Hey, how you doing today? Great. I got What's a up, man? question to ask. All right. Let me let me ask this. Okay, should they not make the playoffs this year? Is Dusty out? Yes. Yep. And if so, who replaces him? And I remember when 97 Rock was a rock station. Thank you, Robbie. So right. does Nick from, so does Nick from Nick's place. Really? It's in the commercial. How? When was that? What year? Thirty years ago. Oh, okay, so you remember that? No, Nick said on the commercial. <laughs> funny guy. <laughs> I remember when when uh, when we got started. Ninety seven five was a rock station, and Lance Zerline had a paper route. 
Am I soft if I don't want to talk about potential managers yet? Like, the Astros are going to play the most important game of their 2023 regular season tonight. There's four games left to play. Fromber's on the mound with pretty much all the marbles on the line, right? Like, can we can we hold off? Is that okay with you guys that we hold off on potential managers? Oh, I, I'm fine with it because I think that that's the bigger question. It's always easy to just say, "Hey, they Dusty's gone at the end of the year," but you have to be able to replace him with someone better, and you don't know who that could possibly be. And that's a deep dive because you got to look at everything. You got to look at former managers, bench coaches, guys that you know that have connections to either the GM and or the, the owner, and you're looking all over the place and you're looking for the right guy to, that blends with that locker room, that's a deep dive. I don't think that's an easy answer. Yeah, I'm not ready. The, the Athletic had some potential candidates today. Uh, Eric Young, Sr., Walt Weiss, which made me throw up, and then Joe Espada. Like, not ready for that yet. Like, I'm tonight's the biggest game of the regular season. I, but, yes, to your point, I do, Robbie, think it, that this is – I think this is Dusty's last year almost in every single scenario. I was scenario. just going to say, the one, the only scenario where he possibly, possibly saves his job for another year is if they win the World Series. I don't even think it's – I think he, I think they force him to retire. I think if they win the World Series, there would be so much pressure on Crane and everyone down if they would fire a World Series champion manager, a back-to-back World Series champion manager, that unless he absolutely said he didn't want to do it, he would have to be back. Yeah, I still think that they figure out a way to like transition them to the front office. I think that they're I think they're done with them. Uh, but it's just my guess. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What'd you make of uh, all these lousy throws? Jose Altuve throwing a ball away when he should have eaten it. That oh was, my god, that was a he? dumb decision. Yep, it directly led to a run. Jordan Alvarez for some reason firing it into third base on his fly ball in the, in, in that first inning should have thrown it to second. Yep. Fortunately, it didn't cost the Astros because Javier was able to get out of it without allowing that run to score. And then later, Kyle Tucker bouncing one into the dugout. Yeah, the more I saw that those kind of mistakes, the more it kind of lends itself to a team that just has gotten too careless with everything that they do. I know that they, you know, that we saw especially after um Naris had the, the the stop drop and roll moment when he came off the mound that they were they were the next day or two days later when they were back home they were working on coming off the mound and doing their 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 pitching fielding exercises. But there's so much more to baseball than that. And as a pitcher to wa- ex-pitcher and watch pitchers not back up bases, that one frustrates me every single time from the minute it happens. One, Altuve shouldn't have thrown it, but two, there shouldn't have, there should have been a pitcher standing right behind the third baseman to make sure that ball did not get into the stands. Twice. It's bad ball. Two separate times on two of the three instances you're talking about. There had to be a pitcher. Montero, I believe, was the other pitcher. Should have been, without question, standing behind Bregman at third base to prevent that ball from getting away and giving away bases. And in both cases... Neither pitcher was in the zip code to do what they needed to do, and it cost them. Bad ball. Absolutely bad baseball. That's bad ball. Yes, it is. That's bad decision-making. That's bad throwing. And then it's mental lapses by pitchers who should be backing up. It's bad ball. The Astros are playing bad ball with four left to play. It's not great. Uh, Christian Javier's performance last night, four and two-thirds, three hits, three walks, four runs, three of them earned, punched out six. Good, bad, indifferent. Where are you at with Javier's performance? It was okay. It wasn't great. Look, and I heard Beard talking with Joe about this. That makes one of us. Yeah, I mean, the the fact that, that he, he was pleased with what Javier gave you, I just don't understand it. I can't understand it at this point in the season. You're looking at him, and this is such a crucial start for him, if he truly wants to be your number three and prove it. You know that everybody else is looking at him 
to say to him, prove it. And then he, he gets through the first two innings, and it goes back. All I kept thinking about was what we talked about a week or so ago where we said, hey, look, this might be a situation. I think Joe brought it up first. But this might be a situation where you let him go until the first sign of trouble, and then you're done with him. Because when the wheels fall off, oh, my God, the pitch count went through the roof in an instant. The, the the scenario started to just unfold in front of you where you were like, and I get it, Altuve's throw contributed to it, but you're like, my goodness, this could be the, 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 the key point in the game and it could be over before we know it because of this situation. And I was like, well, I, don't, I just, I don't trust him. Yeah, the problem is that you go to Montero. Like, I, I thought that Javier was a little bit unlucky in that inning. Like, he, he struck out France to start mm-hmm. the inning. Rojas had, I, think, I believe it was a seeing eye single. Then he still second On a one-two count, though, and I thought yeah. it was too good of a pitch. Okay, that's fair. I mean, because his trouble is command, whether it's in and out of the zone. Still second base because Javier had, it was terrible to the plate. He strikes out J.P. Crawford. So it's like, okay, you're an out away from getting out of this inning, and you have swing and miss tonight. Your stuff's pretty good, mm-hmm. and your option warming up in the bullpen's Rafael Montero. You unintentionally, intentionally walk Julio Rodriguez. Sure. Like, you, you wanted nothing to do with Julio Rodriguez, and you shouldn't. That's when he, he was an out away from getting out of the inning. You run, Runners at first and second, two outs. You have Cal Raleigh coming to the plate. Do you want Rafael Montero in that spot? Do you want Christian Javier on that spot? That might be running on fumes. He was around 85 pitches or so whenever they pulled him out of the game. If that's the decision, Javier in that spot, 91 pitches. Javier in that spot, 91 pitches, or Rafael Montero coming in, runners at first and second, two down. I don't trust Rafael Montero like everybody else does. I don't. I don't like it. I get very uneasy when he comes into a ball game. And that situation, when you, like you said, I was thinking, they're going to get out of this. They have a chance to escape this right now. So I was good with leaving him in. Because then, you know, if you get a situation where you load the bases, now you can make a different decision. I get that. But at the same time, I felt more comfortable with him already comfortable, regardless of his pitch count. I believe his stuff still played enough. He had the best chance of getting it out there. And when Montero came into the game, I just I, I I was pacing around. I'm like, this is it. This is this is the beginning of the end. I don't like this at all. And then I couldn't predict that it was going to be as ugly as it was for Montero. But I'm like, man, I just I wouldn't have done that, or I would have gone to somebody else. The I would have went Javier there. Like if, if my decisions are Javier Javier Montero, I didn't think Javier like was looking awful in that inning. Like like literally before the unintentional intentional walk to Julio Rodriguez, he punched out JP Crawford. Mm-hmm. Like I I would I wanted Javier to get one more batter. This isn't one that I'm going to crush Dusty on because it's no. a flip the coin. It's half a dozen one way six or the other. I don't think that Dusty deserves criticism for this. And like you have to play the hand that you're dealt. Like a lot of people are like, well, you can't go to Montero in that spot. Well, then who? Like. Phil Maton? Grave, like, yeah, so like you have to play the hand you're dealt. You're not going to go to Brian Abreu in the fifth. I, I, my druthers, I would have went Javier one more hitter, mm-hmm. but I'm, this is not one that I'm blasting Dusty. No, I'm over. not going to blast Dusty on it, but the thing is is that when I was watching Javier, the control was better all night, and when he was missing, it was almost because he was trying to empty the tank a little bit. He was trying to, go deep, he was trying to bring a little extra fastball because he knew he was trying to get a strikeout in certain situations. He was actually trying to rear back a little bit more than he probably should have. And, and it was getting out of the zone. I wasn't as concerned with him as I am when Montero enters a game, especially in a very high leverage situation. I know Dusty loves him and wants him in those. I don't. Yeah, I, I would have given Javi one more batter. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. That kid that threw that baseball that hit uh, hit the pitcher yesterday, George Kirby. Well, that was going to be on Bad Take Boulevard tomorrow. So we'll we'll get to that tomorrow. But yeah, stupid stupid Mariner fan in a stupid baseball city throwing a baseball that actually hit 
the pitcher. <laughs> I can't believe it actually hit the pitcher. He wanted nothing to do with that Kyle Tucker foul ball. What an idiot. He landed on the but, list. But the fact that service came out of the dugout. Yeah, I mean, what was he trying to do? Like, I don't know. It's maybe, your dumbass fan. Yeah, maybe maybe get the guy ejected, which I can get. Which he should be ejected, but at the same time, what are you doing with the whole you know bitter beer face coming out of the dugout <laughs> at that point? I'm like, go sit your ass back down in the dugout and shut up. We, uh, we took some grief for saying that Stroud looks really good and we think that he'll be a top 10 quarterback by year's end. Maybe you'll, maybe you don't want to believe us maybe you don't want to believe the killer bees but maybe you'll start believing the national media that's starting to echo those thoughts it's the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 before we go to the break tell you about my good friend doc linville doc linville best in the business neograph procedure i'm telling you i've been telling you i'll continue to tell you but you need to listen you need to listen because of the fact that he gets results he gets your hair back he, he does a lot of different things and fellas for the holidays look if you want to consider the gift that keeps on giving he does botox he does plastic surgery. He does a lot of things that can help you and your significant other. But the thing that I think he does better than all of that, and he does all of that so great, is the fact that he does the neograph. The neograph gets your hair back. I was oblivious to all this until he said, hey, I want to run this by you. I want to tell you what I do and show you how it works. He thinks I can. he could help me. I sat down. I listened. I had the consultation. All of a sudden, I find out it's your own hair. It's not some. It's not sprays and creams and foams. It's not some other kind of way of trying to make it look like you have air when you don't. It's taking your hair where genetically you're never going to lose it, and you're never going to lose it on the sides and the back of your head, and taking it and putting it where you need it most. Maybe it's in front at your hairline. Maybe it's in back on top where you got that baboon's booty that's showing, and it gets shiny, and you're embarrassed, and you got to put a hat on it. It's fantastic. And as an ESPN 97.5 listener, you get a consultation with Doc and his staff for free that normally costs 150 bucks. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com. Sign up. No obligation, nothing out of pocket. You don't have to sign on the dotted line and commit to anything. Just go in, ask questions, get answers, see if it's right for you too. It was right for me. It was right, right for Granado. We can't stop talking about our results and the fact that Doc did it right. Check it out today because he's offering some great deals with up to $1,000 off on the procedure and other great deals, but you got to get in there now and talk to them before he gets too jammed up. Check him out today. Go to 975hair.com. Tell him I sent you by. Go see my friend, Doc Linville. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. You didn't want to believe us yesterday. You were calling us names. You were landing on mean text, which I always appreciate those because it gives us our Friday going home segment, 713-780-3776. When you speak well, whenever you speak of the bee, speak poorly, 713-780-3776. Or speak for yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that works too. I don't know what that means, honestly. <laughs> They're texting. Or, well, or, or text to yourself. That's yeah. Fun. Um, we were talking about C.J. Stroud being a top 10 quarterback by season's end, by year's end. We, we think that C.J. Stroud has shown enough that he's going to be a top 10 quarterback by the end of the year. People are like, oh, you guys are crazy, Homer hat, you guys are dumb. Uh, mean, 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 mean tech, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. CBS Sports has their quarterback power rankings out today, Blankers. C.J. Stroud is 10th. C.J. Stroud is 10th today after three weeks. Now, CBS does, it's a little quirky, although I kind of like how they do it, where they go on what you've done for me lately. Like, it's almost through the AP ranking college football teams. Like, they're going on what you have done so far, in this case, through three weeks. They're not looking at Joe Burrow going to a Super Bowl and being a great quarterback in the past because he's been lousy, quite frankly, in the first three weeks of this year. They have Joe Burrow 29th. 
Okay? So it's like, well, you can't have Joe Burrow 29. Well, why not? Joe Burrow's been terrible through three weeks. If you're basing this only on three weeks of football, why would Joe Burrow be out like in the top 25? He shouldn't be. So it does kind of look funny whenever you have Joe Burrow 25, uh, 20, whatever, 27th or 29th or whatever it was. C.J. Stroud is ahead of Jalen Hurts, which a lot of people scoff at that because Jalen Hurts could have a lot of people won the MVP last swings year. at Jalen Hurts early in the season. They're 3-0. I know. Like, that's, that's my thing. Like he, Everybody's like, oh, he's not doing what he did last year. He doesn't have to. He's got so many weapons and so many ways they can beat you. He doesn't have to try and shoulder the load of doing too much. And no. when he tried to do too much last year and run the ball too much, he got hurt. Yeah, so these these are kind of quirky. Like I, I, I'll admit that because they're going on the last three weeks, what you've done for me lately. They're not looking at the quarterback's pedigree. They're not looking at their resume. They're not looking at what they did in the past. CBS Sports today has C.J. Stroud as the 10th best quarterback through three weeks in the entire NFL. Colin Cowherd, who was kind of a pretty notorious hater of C.J. Oh, Stroud, uh, you know, he didn't like him out of Ohio State, Ohio State quarterback, doesn't trust his background, didn't really know his background, but didn't trust his background. Here is Colin Cowherd kind of kinda taking that one back, but still throwing a couple of subtle shots at C.J. Stroud. Where Colin was wrong. How about C.J. Stroud? Missing offensive lineman. He's an adult. He's a professional. He reads the defense. Really like what I see. Shaky old line. Not a lot of great targets. Rookie head coach and play caller. You know what? He throws it to the right spot. He's a big kid. Jared Goff was his comp. That there wasn't going to be a lot of athletic juice, but he's a grown-up. He's a professional. He's an adult. He's got a 98 passer rating. Hasn't thrown an interception. He feels like he's in total control of the game. And that's a lot. That's all I want from a rookie. I don't need you to be Mahomes. I don't need you to read your second, third, fourth receiver. He's in control at home and away. Way better than I thought as a rookie. Uh, good stuff. Okay, like there's some there's some insults in that compliment from C2, from Cowherd to CJ Stroud. What in the world does being an adult professional and a grow up grown up have anything to do with CJ Stroud playing quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, where does immaturity lead to him not being able to play football? I don't get it. I mean, if he, he's if a he, professional, yeah. If yeah. he if he doesn't he take is. care of his money, or you know, he doesn't he doesn't do other things off the field that deem you to be immature. He acts like a child and and plays too many video games and doesn't study enough. Now it's getting into football, but at the same time, yeah. And, and then he feels like like he's still not ready to say it, but he feels like you know he's 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 going to be a, a good NFL. I just I can't stand Cowherd anyway, but at least walk it back because you 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 alluded to the fact that he he. Accurately, he has not been a fan of C.J. Stroud. He hates the Texans ever since the Peyton courting. Remember that? And then Peyton probably when they, he made sure he told he, everybody we went to dinner. He kind of walked that one back too, though. But he tried. But he really yeah. again he didn't own it the way he owned the opinion from the when he came out with it about the owner and the whole situation and crapping all over the the Texans. And then was kind of like soft selling the oh maybe I shouldn't have said all the stuff that I said. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he kind of walks back a lot of things. He kind of goes back and forth. But the whole like he's an adult, he's a professional, he's a grown up. Like I I feel like that's kind of insulting. 
Like, did you expect him not to be an adult? Did you expect him to be a child? Did you expect him to be unprofessional? Did you expect him to not be a grown up? Like that, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, mates. Because I love C.J. Stroud, and I'm not scared to admit it. Uh, he even throws in the whole Jared uh, Goff comp that he had, which is true. We, we saw some Jared Goff comps when it came to C.J. Stroud. But if you think that C.J. Stroud does not have athletic juice, you are not familiar with his game. He's not going to put it on display. He's not going to be Anthony Richardson, where he's going to run the ball 12 times a game, try to run over you get concussed as he goes into the end zone because he's looking for contact because C.J. Stroud's smart. But when C.J. Stroud has to do it, one, he's trying to create for his receivers by buying time, looking downfield. But C.J. Stroud, if you're going to give him a 10-yard run, just a piece of cake, 10-yard run, step out of bounds, go watch him in the first half it. of the Jacksonville yeah, he game. he did it last week. He's not Ben Roethlisberger. He's not some guy that comes in fragile or like Brady where you never want to see him run. I mean, he's fully capable. He showed you that in the national semifinal a year ago. He showed you that last week if you were paying attention. But you also don't want him to do it when he doesn't have to. You don't want to get into that Deshaun Watson situation where the first thought out of his mind is when the the, the coverage breaks down or the defense gives you something you weren't expecting, first thing is to get the hell out of Dodge, to tuck it and run with it and then take a hit or do something where you take a loss and put your team in a disadvantage. He's smart. He's smart with the football. He's smart with the decisions that he's going to make as a quarterback. That's why he's a mature quarterback. Not a mature person or an adult. It's because he's a mature quarterback already with some of the decisions he's making. Yeah, I I think he's very athletic. Like he's I think he's equally as athletic as Deshaun. He might not be as electric of a runner as Deshaun, but I think it's kind of close. He just doesn't really do it that often. I think he's more athletic than Joe Burrow, right? Like I, I think that he's Equal, I think. Actually, I think he is more athletic than Joe Burrow. How about Justin Herbert? Like, do you think he has similar athleticism of Justin Herbert? I think he's a better athlete than Justin Herbert. Do you think? Yeah, I think he's up there. Do you think he's a better athlete than Mahomes? Like, Mahomes isn't like A to B super fast. Like, he's quick. He's tough. He's he's elusive. Yeah, but I mean, is CJ Stroud not? Like, Pat Mahomes' biggest skill is his arm. Let me put it this way. I don't know what I haven't seen, and I'm okay not having seen it yet. Right. But what I've seen of Mahomes is he can be elusive, he can be quick, and and he can make those plays at big-time moments. Yeah, I think that... Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's we've seen him pick up third and seven with his feet sure. more than we've seen Stroud do it through three games. Now do it against Stroud the Bills or now do I it. I don't want to see it though. That's what I said. Like, I said I don't want to see it. Like Josh Allen, he's up there as the best athlete in the like at the quarterback position in the NFL. Like he's not Josh Allen. Well, Jalen he's Hurts not Lamar up. Jackson. He's not Jalen Hurts. I think Anthony Richardson might be the best athlete at the quarterback position. To be completely honest with you, he's bigger, faster, stronger than any other quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to say stronger than Jalen Hurts. If you've seen Jalen Hurts yeah, squat. And everything like that. Jalen Hurts is a is a, a weight okay. room freak and stronger, but he's bigger and he's faster. Hell. Richardson is okay. That, I, that's fine if he's faster, but I just I think overall with the athleticism that Jalen Hurts has, that's tough to beat. You're probably right on the strength. Like he's incredibly strong. He uh, squats like strong godly too, amounts of weight. But Richardson is bigger and Richardson is faster. So it's like okay, are they on the same tier? I think I think Justin Fields is a really good athlete. Oh, he to is. be completely honest, he's just a terrible quarterback. Um, Ohio well, State quarterbacks can play wide receiver, or they can try. Yeah, just don't draft them in the yeah. third round like Bill O'Brien once did. That was Miller time. atrocious. Seven one three seven eight zero ESP. And there's another national media comment on CJ Stroud. We're going to get to on the uh, the other side because look, if you're not believing us, we have to sit here and beat beat down national media down your throats. Also, all right, we love CJ Stroud. We think he's going to be very good. He might be in for a nightmare on Sunday with uh, news coming out of Texans practice today. Looks like Laramie Tunsil is not going to be ready to play today. 
Sunday, anytime soon. It doesn't look like Josh Jones is going to play on Sunday either. Not great news with the state of the Texans offensive line. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.